0: Tonight's reading comes from the New Testament, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them, and placed my hand into the wound on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into a wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. that really makes Big Stuff special.
1: Is that I said yes to yeses. My favorite part of camp is honestly worship.
0: Worship. Worship worship at Big Stuff is like everybody in the room all feeling God. Just relentlessly worshiping God um, and not holding anything back is just so powerful. You're just with so many people who love the Lord and who are giving all their cares to Him to just trust Him to guide them through the next year.
1: The word that I would use to describe big Staff is joy.
0: Life-changing. Flipping amazing. Powerful.
1: It's put people around me and really just use them just to encourage me and to build me up and just to show me that I'm just a wonderful
0: child of God. And everybody comes home encouraged and wanting to make a difference in their homes. You really get to focus on the love of the Lord and how powerful and freeing that is. And that helps me so much. To understand God better. You can feel his presence just right beside you like that verse in Matthew it says um, where two or more gather in my name there I am with him. I'm
1: in a room of 1,500 people but I genuinely feel like it is just me just pouring my heart out to God and God just reaching down and just saying I love you.
0: One of my favorite things about Big Stuff and how it makes it so special for me is like getting to go to Big Stuff with my youth group and getting to become closer with them and a more of a community with them. It brings me around hundreds of other people who are trying to learn the same thing I am and are trying to change after Jesus like I am. You just truly understand the love that the Lord has for you and just how big that is and how powerful that is. And I think it's so amazing to just really soak in like the love of the Lord has.
1: Should we go to that? Uh, I think we should. I think we should. Uh, so here's the thing, guys. I, I want you to know big stuff is this camp. And this, and maybe you've heard of Bible camp before, but Bible camp, has it been on a beach for you before? Because this one's on a beach in Florida with 1,500 people. And we've gone, as Lutheran Church Hope, we've gone there for years. COVID hit and then COVID things. And so we weren't, weren't going to that uh, at that point in time. And this is the year we're bringing it back, baby. And so can I get a whoop whoop for big stuff? Here's the thing. Registration is coming up. It's coming up in a couple weeks and I want you to talk to your parents about this amazing camp on the beach. Just say, Mom, I just have to. Dad, I just have to. Just, that's, you just do that. And they'll be like, tell me the details. And they'll, and they'll be like, I don't remember the details. You just do that, okay? If you get it, say, got it? Good. October 15th, that's when registration is coming. It's like Bible camp on steroids, baby. And do you, do you want to know two people that went to big stuff back in the day? Let me just show you a picture for just a second. Go to that next slide. Look at those two. Uh, Guess who they are? Me. What is it? It's big stuff. It's in June. But, But this is Michelle, my now wife, and then me wearing a guitar pick necklace with my shaggy hair back in the day. And we were like, but you guys, you take selfies. Back then we took digital cameras. Okay. Have you ever seen one of those? You turned it around. The screen was on the other side, and you hoped that you got the right angle. You didn't know. And so that's what we were doing at Big Stuff. I didn't know, I had no idea when I took that photo I was sitting next to my wife. Isn't that kind of cool? I also had no idea that that week would be a week that would change my life in so many different ways. And I didn't know that someday I would be a youth pastor and I would get to, I mean, this trip would be like my seventh trip to big stuff. And so I would get to go uh, however many more times and I would get to see literally hundreds and hundreds of people's lives totally transformed. If you're like, oh, that's just for like super religious church kids. Actually, it's for everybody. And it tell me like... Are you going to go to Florida without your parents? No, I don't think so. So come to Florida with us, and it's going to be awesome. But here's a, to get into the topic for tonight, we're in the series that is called Surprised by Jesus. And we're talking about doubts, and we're talking about questions and, and all these things. And, uh, and in this series, there's all these, these ways that Jesus shows up, and it's very surprising. Jesus showed up for me, and it was very surprising at big stuff. And, you know, I was pretty surprised— to know years later that uh, and let's go back to that picture of, of Michelle and I that, that we would we would stand at the altar and and my question to just get things started tonight is how do you know how do you know if someone is the right person for you how do you know in fact i want someone to give an opinion right now who has an idea of how you know okay you you got your hand up i know what do i say so how do you know someone's the right one for you
0: um, if, like, they connect with me.
1: If they with connect them, yeah. with you. Okay, that's pretty good. All right, what else do we got? You got one? Hold on, I'm coming back to this side. We need one from every section. And who in this section has an idea? All right, all right. How do you know it's the right one for you?
0: If they're loyal.
1: If they're loyal. Can I get an amen for loyalty? Okay, I did see, was there a hand? Oh, no, you're in the back. I got you, you're coming next, okay? All right, we're gonna, we're gonna get some of the fellows too. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What? You're like way over here, way over here, okay. How do you know, man? How do you know someone's the right one for you? If they care for you. If they care for you, it seems so simple, doesn't it? But, it, but it's so challenging and difficult. Okay, all right, I, I saw were you about this, all right, here we go. And then what's your opinion? How do you know, how do you know? Uh, I think you know if they love Jesus. Hey, all right, I like that, I like that. And then we got, we got one right down here. All right, how do you know that they're the right one? for you if they worship Jesus and go to church hey okay all right that's pretty good that's pretty good also I know some some people that they're really working on themselves that worship Jesus and go to church and you should not date them right now okay I'm just gonna say that too okay date them later but not right now okay all right so here's the thing when I was a senior in high school on big stuff sitting next to my future wife everybody was like you two are going to end up together. You two, you're going to end up together. You would just be the cutest little couple. You would be so cute. And I didn't believe it. I was like, nah. In fact, I tried to make probably almost every other young woman on that trip my girlfriend while I was on that trip because I was that guy. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That, I, was that, I had a lot of work that I needed to do when I was in high school, okay? And so, so I was missing it. I had no idea. How do you know? And I missed it. She was right there. And then a few years later, we stood in a chapel down the hall and we tied the knot. How do you know if someone's the right person for you? Well, when you tie the knot, you know with every part of you, but you don't know what they're like when you have kids. You don't know what they're going to be like if you get sick. You, there's so much that you actually don't know about a person that you, you marry, but you still you just know within you, right? Right? And really what you're doing when you tie the knot, you're making this this sort of evidence-based leap of faith. There's something that you're doing where you're saying, look, I don't know what all we're going to go through, but whatever it is that we're going to go through, based on what our relationship has been up to this point, based on how I am with you and you are with me, I think this is a risk worth taking. An evidence-based leap of faith. If you were to sit on this stool... Like, I sat on this stool just a minute ago. Okay, I have this baby on a stool over here. I'm not the baby. I guess I'm the baby right now. Okay, I didn't check the bolts. Do you check the bolts on every chair before you sit down? Why not? Because you have sat in many a chair. And how many out of 10... How many out of 10 have just fallen to the ground? Not very many. And so you have this experience, this past experience, this evidence from your history that has helped you to determine that it's probably okay to just sit down. And that's really an evidence-based leap of faith. You know when you buy something on Amazon, okay, and you're like reading the reviews? right? Do you guys buy things on Amazon? Like, okay, I was going to say some, you're just looking at me like, my mom buys things. I don't buy things. Like, so you're buying something on Amazon. Do you buy something that only has like one or two star reviews? Of course not. But did you know, like there's so many things that have one or two star reviews, right? There's almost nothing that has only five star reviews. So someone had a bad experience, But you know that, okay, well, there's all these other people that had a great experience, and there's a couple of people that didn't have a good experience, but I feel okay with taking the risk that I'm going to be in the good experience category and not the bad experience category, right? But do you know that you're not going to have a bad experience? Do you have proof that it's not going to fall apart? No, you don't. Because it's an evidence-based leap of faith. And we do this all the time in all sorts of areas of our life. We do it in love and relationships. We do it when we buy things. We do it with all sorts of things where we don't have proof before we make a decision. But we feel confident about making that decision because we have evidence from the past that helps us to take a leap of faith now. Now, here's the real question. Here's the real question. How do you know? if Jesus is really the Son of God? How do you know that? How do, I mean, really, how, how do you know? Do, do, how do you determine something like that? And it's a really big deal that you know. Some of us here, we you know, we've just grown up and we're Christians and, and we don't really know how we would determine that. We just sort of Let it be what it is. And I guess my parents were Christian and we go to church. I guess that's what we'll do. And I don't really have like a, a, you know, reason for it. But like that's just what it is. Some of you, you're here and you're like, my parents want me to believe. My parents want me to go to church. But I don't see a single shred of evidence for any of this. Is there any evidence for faith? And the thing that I want to suggest to you, and, of course, I'm here and ha- having this conversation. Well, it's not really a conversation. I'm, I'm the one talking. You don't have a microphone. Like, we can have a conversation. You'll have conversations in small groups about this, of course. Uh, and if you ever want to talk, like, last week I got to talk with this, this dude. who's just, like, so smart and has all these questions. And this is a place, this is a place where we encourage questions. Because let's be honest. Have you ever seen someone rise from the dead before? Me neither. Have you you ever seen a miracle happen before your eyes? Maybe a couple of us, but most of us probably not. So when we think about it, it's like, well, do we have the past history and experience where we could say that, oh, yeah, I I believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he really did rise from the dead? In fact, did you know that the Bible says this? Look, Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, then... And if Christ, if Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not died and then been put in the grave and then 2,000 years ago he got up again because he was alive again, if that didn't happen, then your faith is useless. Yikes. If this didn't happen, we shouldn't do this. If, if Jesus has not died and been raised from the dead, there's no reason. And, by the way, and and you're still guilty of all your sins. So all that like freedom and stuff that you feel from being like, like released from your sins and the new in life and the hope that you have for eternity, like all that, that's just sort of like a feel-good thing if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. See, a lot rides on this. In fact, it is the central tenet of Christianity. If you believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave, and it's for you, because God loves you, you're a Christian. And if you don't, it's, well, something worth questioning. It's something worth questioning because if Jesus isn't who he says that he is, then let's just stop. But if he is, there's literally not a single thing that could be even remotely close to as important as who he is. So do you have any evidence? Do you have any reason for why you believe or don't believe what you believe? I have some people that are really close to me that um, they, they do not believe. Uh, they, and it's a little awkward, because, you know, I'm a pastor, and so, like, whenever we get together, there's, like, this weird tension of, like, he wants me to believe. I know it. I know he does. And so, am I going to, like, be my true and authentic self with them, or, or am I going to, like, put up a wall, because I know the evangelist is going to come out sometime. And and I just try to, like, make them feel as as comfortable and normal as possible, and, you know. Sharing your faith doesn't mean that you make, is the purpose is to make people feel uncomfortable. Sharing your faith means that you demonstrate God's love to someone, and when the time is right, you share the words explicitly. And we have to be careful how we do that sometimes, because the truth is there's a lot of people that have a good reason for why they doubt. Maybe you're here and you have some doubts and some questions, and, and I, as a pastor, I have talked with countless people about these things, and they really boil down to four different things. Almost every doubt comes down to one of four things. No matter what, I've done so many Q&As, the questions are almost always the same. And they all kind of fit into these, these different categories. You know, they, if your past experience with sitting on stools has been every time I sit on a stool, it falls over. You're not going to sit on stools anymore. Every time that I am in any sort of religious situation, they're discouraging questions. Well, no wonder you're going to stop, either stop questioning and start faking it, or you're going to say, I'm out of here. No wonder so many people think that Christianity is for people who are dumb. And Underneath of that, of course, is this insecurity that if Christianity is right, they would be wrong, and I don't want to be associated with anyone that's wrong or dumb. Uh, here we're, we're going to encourage questions because Jesus never discouraged questions. Somewhere along the way, some religious people got it wrong and they've discouraged questions. They've said, you're supposed to just, just have faith, just, just like cast logic to the wind. No, you're supposed to make an evidence-based, not a blind leap of faith, but an evidence-based leap of faith. And so people, you know, you can't blame them for doubting when religion is just discouraging questions. When you see Christians being hypocrites, okay, we got to talk about this one for just a little bit. Um, if you're a Christian and you come here and you're like, hey, come with me to Ignition, but then like you also say, hey, uh, after the football game, come with me and let's go get drunk. And like y- you're, you're doing two different things. You're living two different lives. And so it's, it's no wonder that they would doubt because they doubt you. Without us. And now, here's the thing. Every person is a hypocrite. Every person has their good days and their bad days, their good choices and their bad choices. Every Christian is that way. And so if you're here and you're like, ah, the whole church, they're just all terrible. No, that's highly unintelligent. That's That's just, that's ridiculous to say the whole church is terrible. The church is filled with human beings. And if any one of us joins the church, then we're adding our own hypocrisy to it. But let's just be honest, it's hard to say, yeah, I want to be associated with them in the way that they do politics. Or I want to be associated with them in the way that they do friendships. Or I want to be associated with them in the double life that they live. It, it's really obvious why people would doubt if following Jesus is really a good thing for them. When we look at the lives and the hypocrisy of Christians. And so if you're a Christian, you've got to watch yourself. You have a, a testimony, a witness. You've got to watch yourself. Here, here's another one. It, it's it's the, the Bible is being used to control people. The, the doubts, are, they, they circle around in all sorts of different ways. Uh, I hear it mostly from people that are uh, either gay or have someone in their life who, who's gay that they love, uh, where someone has used the Bible to hurt them, uh, or they, they, they have... Um, Uh, They've been told that because, you know, you're a woman, you can't be in ministry, or because you're not this denomination, you can't bury grandma in this cemetery, uh, because this is what our faith teaches. Really? And, And so there's two people that have an issue here. One, it's the Christians that are saying, this is the faith, but the Bible doesn't say it. That's an issue this is the most important thing in the Bible when it's not the most important thing in the Bible. That's an issue that we'll answer to God for. And here's the other part of it, is that there's people on the outside of the faith that say, well, because that Christian said this is what the Bible teaches and that's how they live their life, I don't need to actually look at the Bible for myself to see what it really says. I I don't need to waste my time it's not even worth. I mean, why would it even be? I hear this all the time from my, my agnostic friends. It's like, you know, give me a reason to actually care. Like, why why would I even put the energy into it? But here's a reason. Because we're not just talking about religion. We're talking about who you are as a human being. We're not just talking about your 80 years. No matter how satisfied with your 80ish years that you get on this side of heaven. That you are? Your 80-ish years on this side of heaven compared to what is possible? You wouldn't even look into eternity? Or is that you just being afraid to be associated with those Bible people? Rather than looking at what the Bible really says, what Jesus really teaches. So religious people, they're discouraging questions. Hypocrites are, are running rampant. The Bible's being used to control people. And this is the big one. The world's filled with pain, right? Have you ever wondered, like God, if you really love me? If you really love me, God, then why did you let that happen? Or, or God, if you really love me, or if you really, if you really love those people, then what's up with those hurricanes? If you really love those kids, then why are they starving? If you really, if you really, if you really, and, and all of this pain that we feel, we, it's like we just don't have this place to pin the pain, and so we, we just say, well, it, just, it must be God. Well, here's the issue with that, is if you're going to blame God for all the, the evil that's in the world, one, you're acknowledging the existence of God, but two, God's actually done something about it and is doing something about it, and if you just keep your intellectual faculties uh, uh, not exercised but in the way of actually allowing your intellectual faculties and your heart to work in tandem, then you're going to miss what he's up to. So many doubts, all connected to these four things. And if you're here and you have doubts and questions, I just want you to know. I don't blame you. And did you know that the Bible says, have mercy on those who doubt? So here you're going to get mercy, just like Thomas did. See, Thomas, he's called Doubting Thomas. And, you know, he wasn't there. He didn't get to see with his eyes that Jesus was raised from the dead. And and all of his other friends, they got to see Jesus raised from the dead. And so they're like, yeah, Jesus, he's raised from the dead. It's amazing. Thomas, like, you got to believe us. We all saw it. And he's like, I don't, I hear your eyewitness testimony, and I think you're all crazy. It's impossible. In fact, he says, I won't believe unless... What's your unless, by the way? I won't believe unless. What is it that you need to be able to say, yes, I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? What's your unless? And he wanted evidence. He's like, I I wanna I want the nail wounds, I want to be able to touch them. Okay, I want to put my fingers right where they wounded his side, where they pierced him with the spear to make sure he was dead. He wanted evidence. So is there any evidence for the resurrection? Oh yeah. There's a lot more than this, but I'm gonna give you this evidence as quickly as I possibly can. And I want you guys to talk about this. Because some of it's not gonna sit well with you. And that's fine. Ask your questions. That's what group time is, is gonna be for in just a couple minutes. But did you know that the tomb that Jesus was laid in, it was empty? And you might be like, well, I'm not that impressed with an empty tomb. I mean, come on. That's the story they wanted to write, wasn't it? No, no one was trying to write a story of a guy that rose from the dead. All the leaders, they had to just have taken him out of there. Well, no, they started a whole revolution called Christianity, and they were trying to shut it down. They just would have brought Jesus' dead body out and said, Look, here he is, revolution over. That didn't happen. Oh, well, the disciples, they must have have stolen the body out of the tomb. Well, there's no way that they they could have stolen the body out of the tomb. Did you know the tomb was guarded by trained warriors, Roman soldiers who were skilled in the art of death? You think of a bunch of fishermen overpowered, a bunch of Roman soldiers who would have been killed if they failed at their task? No, the, the tomb was empty. Maybe some robbers went in to steal all the stuff. You know, it's like, like stealing from King Tut's tomb or something. It's like stealing from Jesus' tomb. Jesus wasn't a wealthy guy. And the only thing that would have been valuable in there would have been the, the cloth that they wrapped him in because clothes were way more expensive back then. And the cloth was folded up and still there when they arrived at the empty tomb. You keep going and you see beyond this piece of evidence we have more. We see that Jesus, he was seen alive after death. And it wasn't just by one person who wrote it down. It was by hundreds. In fact, at one time, 500 people at one time saw Jesus. And you can say, oh, well, they're just hallucinating. They, they were racked with grief, religious grief. And you, Okay, relig- I'm sure they were racked with religious grief. When's the last time... When's the last time that you heard of anyone hallucinating the exact same thing as everyone else? Multiple times. Me neither. About as many times as I've seen someone rise from the dead, I guess, I've never seen that. Never even heard of that. Number three, the disciples, they had this newfound boldness. Did you know that the disciples, they were hiding after Jesus was crucified because they were like, we're next! They're gonna kill us too. And so they're hiding. They didn't wanna be associated with Jesus because they'd be killed. And then one day, randomly, they're just preaching in the streets. They're just saying, hey, everybody, Jesus is alive. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the one that that is going to put everything back together again. And and they're out there, and everyone's like, boo, go away. And and some of them, they got killed for it. And these are the guys that they would have known if they all got together and said, all right, you guys, we're only a bunch of uneducated fishermen. But you know what we're going to do is we're going to start a revolutionist and become the largest religion in the whole wide world in all of human history. And not only that, not only are we going to start this this crazy, uh, conniving scheme, we are going to dupe the most educated people in the entire nation, in the entire world. And in fact, the most powerful nation, Rome, is going to fall to our religion. No. No. They saw their rabbi who was killed, alive again. And all of a sudden, death didn't matter. Because God was doing something way bigger. And it went from disciples, and went from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And guys, here's another piece of evidence. The billions, hear this, billions of people, that if you don't believe in Christianity, billions of people disagree with you. There are billions of people throughout history that give a five-star rating to Jesus because of their experience and you haven't hit by yet. Billions. Not because they know all the evidence and have read all the books. Because here's what I can promise you. Some of you, you're really smart and you already know this. You might... You might say, okay, that sermon wasn't enough. I need more evidence. I'm like, cool, there's lots more. Let's talk about it. And so we have all these conversations. You read the libraries and libraries of books and you learn all about Jesus and all all the things and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I've compiled this case and, and it would like stand up in court. I probably should believe in Christianity but I don't and I won't. And I'll tell you why. I have never Seen someone say, I believe because of the evidence. I've only ever seen someone open their mind to the evidence, or open their mind because of evidence, to the experience of God. See, evidence for God might open your mind, maybe. Depends on how set in your ways you are. Evidence for God might open your mind. It's an experience of God. It's an experience of God. A personal experience where your heart is open and you actually experience his love showing up for you just like Thomas did. Jesus shows up in that room and is like, poof, peace be with you, because I know this is kind of freaky. And he, he sees all the guys like, what's up, Peter? And Thomas is just over there like, <gasps> and he's like, what's up, Bartholomew? And, and whatever that disciple did, we didn't hear anything about him, but he's on the list. And then he comes over to Thomas. Do you think Thomas at that point, needed to put his hands to touch the, the holes. and, and to, No, he didn't. He saw him. He experienced him. And Jesus showed up for him. And he said this to them. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. But you're going to be blessed. People will be blessed for believing me without seeing me. Because they're going to take an evidence-based leap of faith. And guys, what if I didn't do that with Michelle? What if, I mean, she, she was sitting right next to me, the right person for me, and I was missing it the whole time. What if I didn't do that with my wife, Michelle? I wouldn't have these kids. Go to that next slide. I wouldn't have these cute kids, okay? Look at them. They're dancing at my sister's wedding, just like Michelle and I. Oh, it makes me so emotional. And I just, I just want you to know, If I would have had my mind so closed to the evidence that Michelle and I were right for each other and not done it, I would have missed out on so much. And I just want you to know, with all the love of my heart, you need to open your mind. You need to open your mind so that you can experience him for yourself. And when you do, well, you're going to say, I'm sure glad I didn't miss this sure glad I wasn't too, too arrogant for it, too good for it, too cool for it, too whatever for it. I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I, too, was surprised by Jesus. Amen. Stand and receive this blessing. May the God who showed up for Thomas show up for you. May he meet you in your doubts and your questions. And may he fill you with his love and his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. God loves you so much. We're going to see you next week. Uh, We have a new series on friendships. You are not going to want to miss that. Now it's time to head to your groups.